Dan, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> it's um, well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier. To, it's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. Being a good person matters. And it's easier for a whole lot of people. If you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or send, send dreamers back for no reason. <laughs> vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. That was a lot of people that felt they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know and you're going to the store and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you and you're worried about your kids and you're worried about your sister. And can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal for us just to be able to get some peace and, 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 and have a chance for, for, for a reset. And, and the character of the country matters. And, 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 and being a good man matters. Uh, you know, I just want my sons to, to look at this. Look at this. You know, it's easy to, to, to do it the cheap way and, 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 and get away with stuff, but it comes back around. It comes back around. And this is a good day for this country. I, I'm sorry for the people who lost. Uh, for them, it's not a good day. But for a whole lot of people, it's a good day. That was the normally unflappable Van Jones, the political correspondent with CNN. Don? Oh, I still get a wobbly lip here in it. Yeah, um, Donald Trump went off on this. Is still digging his heels in in his White House losers bunker. And were there any winners really, apart from you know the obvious Joe Biden is presumably yeah, the I mean, next president? Look, I think you, all you have to do is listen to the piece he just played. And yeah, there are some winners because some people woke up just feeling that little bit better. I think specifically we're talking about people people of color. A lot of those people woke up kind of going wow, I didn't think it would be this close. Mm. And for all the thinking of the feelings of those who are not happy with the way the election went, it was a fucking long week of people going, oh, because I think a lot of people maybe stayed positive in the four years of going to go and look, however Trump happened, I don't think people took him seriously. They gave the benefit of the doubt of ignorance. But after the four years, when he's outdone himself with behaving badly, and hatred and just like thinly veiled nastiness like when Val is talking about um just being a good person is important being a good man that wasn't there with Donald Trump regardless of whether you agree with his policies or not or regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum anytime Donald Trump said the right thing it was never quite the right thing it was always like He'd never outright say, I'm a racist. He'd say, no, I'm not a racist. But almost like he wasn't even pretending not to be. It was like this thin sneering. Like when you're asking someone to say sorry, and they go, sorry. That's how it felt for four years. And I can imagine how much more that would have felt if you were one of the target groups. 
So I think a lot of those people, I'm sure they feel a lot better about the fact that at least Biden won, more so that Donald Trump lost than Biden won. There's an awful lot of people who have to go out the next day and see their neighbours and people they have to work with in the community and go, half of you fuckers think I don't deserve to be alive. Half of you fuckers have had enough of us getting uppity and thinking, you know, like that's, and that's the fact. So the election was basically, uh, basically turned on its head in terms of the amount of uh, electoral college votes that Donald Trump got last time, Joe Biden got this time. Donald Trump was calling that a landslide victory, by the way. But lest there be any doubt that we were watching America possibly descend into, and I'm not using these words hysterically, dictatorship, autocracy, fascism, lest there be any doubt that we were looking at that happening over the last four years, his behavior since the election kind of rubber stamps that. The strong man, the man who was cheated, I mean, it's with due respect to, you know, many tin pot dictatorships in places like Africa. This is the sort of stuff that happens in the Congo, you know, in in places Mm. where there is a tenuous attempt at democracy, where the losing side claims vote rigging, fraud, ballots being burned. That's where Donald Trump went. He said he was going to go there. He went there. Yeah. In the face of utter defeat. Unless you're saying the whole thing is always rigged. This election played out the way most elections in America do. And in some cases, maybe better because people were able to vote in many different ways. And, yeah. And, and, and also, consequently it, was, turned out. it was more carefully watched because everybody knew it was the one where you like you have to make damn fucking sure everything is done to the letter. And it's been stated that it's probably the most secure election because they were watching their arses so carefully. Because, I mean, all of what he's saying, not that it's a surprise, I mean, he fucking told us in advance, but all of his behaviour, regardless of where you stand, is quite frightening. Like, this is, you live in a democracy, it's a wealthy country, not everything is perfect, but Americans tend to have a rosier view of their own country than everybody else does. So I can imagine it must be frightening to kind of go, could this all fall away? Could this all go to hell and, like, everything breaks down and society breaks down and government because I don't I think there's this sense if you haven't lived it and if you've had such an old democracy you think it can't happen to you and I was wondering what is it that makes people even if they're some some people are going to be diehard fans but people who are on his side what is it that stops them from getting kind of scared when they see that so when you think of those you know shithole countries as he'd like to call them th- those places the tin pot democracies it's kind of, there's a feeling, certainly from outside, that like everyone knows it's fascism. Everybody knows it's a dictatorship. It's just, it's a vicious regime. So why are the why are these people not getting freaked out, regardless of whether they wish he had been elected, not getting freaked out by the fact that he's endangering the whole system of democracy there? I, I, I kind of landed on, not every tin pot dictatorship started with somebody coming up and going, well, I'm in charge and that's it. And I've got a big army and I'm going to hurt you if you don't go go along with it. I mean, if you look at something that goes hand in hand with Trump supporters and the right is QAnon. And like all that they're putting out is literally word for word for what was coming out in the 1930s. Hitler didn't get where he was because he suddenly came out and said, well, I'm going to be a big bully and everyone's just going to have to do what I say. Lots of people agreed with them. And lots of people joined that tribe and watched it happen. So they didn't feel like it was, a, they, they didn't mind the rules bending if it was bending in their favour. There's so much, and I'm not trying to kind of 
overblow it by comparing the two situations. But I think it's the closest one. People see fascism and dictatorship as something that happens in other countries, in poor countries. A, a big bad bully comes in and hurts us. They don't see it as, you know, your friends and your neighbours divide and maybe it suits you. Maybe you join that team and you're happy to, your integrity doesn't stand quite so tall when you're happy to see the rules bend in your favour. It's just fascinating to watch how are these people not getting freaked out by this because they're agreeing with it, because it's on their side, because like a, like a bold child, things are going your way. They're not seeing. That's how it happens everywhere. And you're not above it. The reason I suppose we're not so, we're not more upbeat, although we are having a glass of wine each, but I think when you stand back from it, the concept of America hit an iceberg with Donald Trump. And these dictators, they go after, I mean, there's a sort of a, there's a sort of a recipe. You close down the media or you call into question the motives of the media, the fake news idea. You dismantle or try to dismantle or rule the judiciary, which is happening. Mm. And you spread falsehoods, spread falsehoods about everything from coronavirus to voter fraud to whatever. So all of the actual pillars of the American democracy were buffeted by this. And I think they're going to survive it. But the problem I have with America is it is, you know, even amongst my friends, there's this kind of yes sigh of relief. But one in two of their people, having seen Trump for four years, went, you know what? I want more of that. One in two nearly. Biden had the most votes of any president in the history of the country, but Donald Trump had the second most. So you have this divided country that's going to continue ploughing on. You may have a situation, depending on the runoff in Georgia, as to whether the Senate is in control of the Republicans or the Democrats. But the one part of this that is shameful is the GOP, Republican Party's response when Trump started calling into question the very foundation stone on which the country is based and they stay quiet now yeah. they say oh we were just humoring him we're getting and he's a big boy no matter what side you're on you can see democracy is being undermined you can see that the fabric of their society of their democracy there's just a giant hole being ripped in it and, and it does come down to that people being selfish and making a self-serving choice not to come out and say okay no we need to we need to stop this he's going to break the country because you don't get you don't fix the holes they're tearing in their democracy are not easily fixed. Donald Trump is gone. And I actually, some people talk about, oh, he can go back in 2024. I fucking hope he is because I really am worried about who's coming in his place. He's gone, but he's not the problem. He was this fun way of testing all of the, like he was an asshole, but he was a fun way of testing all the things. What can we do when we undermine the media in all ways? What can we do when we undermine democracy when we don't win? When we control judiciaries, but all of those things, when we start, how, how much will people tolerate if it suits them? And once you've done it once, it's not unspeakable to do it again. And so I worry about what's coming in 2024. I think it's it's despicable that people are choosing what's convenient for them rather than the big picture. There was a tweet from uh, Werner Herzog uh, from 2017, which was doing the rounds, which was, Dear America, you're waking up, as Germany once did, to the awareness that one third of your people would kill another one third while a third watches. Yeah. Joe Biden is a good man. I think he's far from ideal. Like the, the idea that two septuagenarians were the best that a 320 million person country could put forward as potential presidents is 
also deeply disturbing. And also he's a neoliberal. Yeah. Nothing about this. Like neither of us are particularly like, oh, yay, Joe Biden. But at least what he is, is putting forward the idea, the solid idea of being a good man and being decent. That now, I, I understand that you could start combing through some of the mistakes he's made and some of his policies and argue that I get that. I'm not getting into the deep political thing of it. But that fact that he feels the need to get up and behave in a dignified manner and to at least try to aspire to behaving kindly, that's fucking important. Kellyanne Con- Conaway, very early in his administration, was using the term alternative facts and we all laughed at that. But the whole thing is built on that. The whole thing is a sort of a, uh, a myth and the myth is told by stories. So he's created this you know warlord like fan club that is just yeah it's funny no, like, there's no talking to them. we did all kind of laugh at alternative facts going oh my god imagine like yeah that's what we say oh, I wasn't lying it was alternative facts and we were all pissing ourselves laughing about it but it's actually and I don't see people mention it much now it's kind of a blast from the past nearly but actually in in terms of not just the US election but all over the political landscape now and coronavirus and stuff like that that has been the most powerful phrase because that's literally what's happened to the world is that if you can create alternative facts, which everybody laughed at then, but if this can become a concept and if this can be a strategy, mm. then you can get away with any bullshit. And realistically, I mean, look at how many people, look at how much trouble is caused by religion in the world. Look at America and how many fundamental Christians there are. And you go, okay, listen, come here. There's no sanity and I have bad news for you about your church. Like, and you ask yourself, why does why do so many highly educated people follow this shit? And you go, because it's convenient, because it hurts not to believe it, because cognitive dissonance suits what's comfortable for us. So why the fuck couldn't that be applied? So we thought it was ridiculous, this alternative facts thing, like nobody's going to go for that. But actually, humans have proven throughout time, and, and still now, we are willing to swallow any shit as long as it's comfortable. And the, the power of cognitive dissonance and believing in fairies. And if you, we'll just find a way, call it alternative facts, undermine the liberal media, whatever. You think it could never happen. You couldn't hoodwink that many people. You can if people want to believe it because it's comfortable, it's handy. Like, I mean, if you look at the coronavirus thing, what's frightening around the world is I think that there's a rise of the far right because of coronavirus where they, where they wouldn't otherwise have been motivated to be part of the far right. And it's, I think there's like there's a cost to be to be spouting far right ideals as soon as the payoff is, well, if we're right and you're on our team, then you shouldn't have to suffer and you shouldn't have to do what everybody else is doing to make the world safe with coronavirus. So it's more convenient to believe our truth. So people are willing to join it now. The world didn't pay enough attention to the to what was actually happening with alternative facts. It was just this stupid, ridiculous thing that was said. But it was actually a strategy that was going to tell us a whole lot about the world for the next four years and still. Well, I mean, there's also some interesting, when you pick through the ashes of the election, there's some interesting facts. You know, Hispanics, one of the big problems with Hispanics is that there's different types of Hispanics. You know, there's someone from Haiti is going to be very different from someone from Cuba, is going to be very different hmm. from someone from Mexico. But Hispanics drifted away from the Democrats. Hispanics, through the Mexican lens, are front and centre in the sites of Donald Trump wall building and, and taking kids off. Yeah, but Cuba, totally different story. No, I know, I know. And, and, and that's what I, I prefaced it with this, that you can't just lob them all in together. But they nevertheless are a minority within America. They are better represented by Democrats. And yet they chose the turkey killer. We've had to back and forth on this. White women voted more for Trump than for Biden. How does that work? 
because I, like I think there's there's still this fascination that it's women. I think that's that that's not that that's the point. By lumping, it's the same thing as the Hispanic thing. By lumping it into women and the idea that women are all going to stand for the same thing is there is that element of not really bothering your whole to look into the fact that the great assuming the greatest identity these people have is the fact that they're women. And it may no, not no, be. I'm, I'm actually saying a proven in the field misogynist. No, I know. And we know what misogyny means. Look, I get why being part of, if you look at like the, the intersectionality that you can be part of different groups and you would think being a woman is a pretty strong, important part of your identity. And it is. Trump is not very kind to women. He's not a woman friend. Yeah. I get that. <clears throat> but you have to remember that being a woman may not be the most important part of a person's identity when they're going to the polling station. No, I know, but we consider that everybody, you know. But, but that's, that's they, what it comes they, down they to. recognised groups that they monitor. White women came out for Trump. Black women came out for Biden. Okay, know? no. White people came out for Trump. White women came out in much less numbers for Trump than white men. So that's we not a, that was going to So happen. that's not a men worse than women. I'm saying if, you are, if, if you're going to look break down statistics, you have to be careful about what assumptions you make and what picture you think that that paints. So the fact is... An awful lot of white women, uh, had their gender been taken out of it, everything else would suggest that they should be more strongly for Trump. So it did cost him to an extent. It's just that some of those groups decided that wasn't enough for them because maybe the reasons why a woman wouldn't be comfortable voting for Trump, the reasons why he would be offensive to them, wasn't as important as other things. Then you look at one of those other things. One major one is obviously the fear of socialism and not understanding socialism, granted. And I think that's the kindest one. Abortion. Then there's... Then there's the abortion one and, and the so the Christian faith thing is if somebody's strongly anti-abortion, that's that's a reason. You know, the Black Lives Matter, all of the, what that went on this year, I think that certainly drove up an awful lot of voters that wouldn't otherwise have been voting. But to, you have to understand that also drove an awful lot of white people against mm. Biden because an awful lot of people this year just had had enough of this Black Lives Matter shit and all lives matter. And I'm just fucking sick of being lectured by black people. I'm sick of being, I'm sick of being told that I have to feel, I'm sick of being told that I'm privileged. I'm sick of having every time I have an opinion, my opinion doesn't count because I'm white. So therefore I don't get an opinion. And this is like, that's not necessarily, that's not how I feel, but it's something that you're seeing all the time. People had just fucking had an awful lot of people had had enough, which I personally think is a little bit of a dressed up way of saying, I'm sick of them being so fucking uppity. I didn't mind them having equality in air quotes, but I'm sick of them being so fucking uppity that now yeah, I'm supposed to. to. But I, I honestly think that's a huge fucking reason as to why so many white women voted for them. I think a lot of white women were sick of being told, sick of being made to feel that they're Karens. I think part of it was that they didn't that they didn't like to accept the fact that they'd never said they're a racist. They would hate that. But they're kind of sick of the uppity shit. Now, you know, when you hear the word uppity, it is entrenched. It's with, it is, no, it's entrenched in racism, the idea that somebody yeah. of colour would be uppity. But I do honestly feel a huge sector white. I think overall it helped. I think there were m- m- many more voters registered because of all that happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. I also think fucking swathes of people had had enough of it this year in particular. They were just sick of being lectured for being privileged or white because they don't want to look at that. To, to me, the issue is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm using the white women thing and the, you know, me- Mexicans. The things that he unashamedly is orgenistic towards. Mm. 
I mean, to me, it should. Uh, we've had this discussion. It should have been eighty twenty women against against him. Yeah, but I, I think. But the point uh, is, maybe the twenty percent are pro. But if we look at it, and we're trying to understand it, like from a human, like from a human point of view, it happened. We can assume it's just stupidity. But us screaming into the ether, which is a big habit of the left, actually screaming into the ether and going, "You're just so stupid. How can you not get it?" Doesn't help. Mm. So we actually have to go. Okay, but there's, whether we agree with it or not, there has to be something else going on. Yes, there are some people who are just stupid. But if so many people who literally were turkeys voting for Christmas, white women voting for Trump, like he couldn't be more misogynistic. People of colour or Latino people voting for him, like you do get that you're exactly the sort of person whose his policies aren't going to suit, let alone him being a prick who hates you. So I don't think that all those people are just so fucking stupid that they didn't get the memo. We then have to look at the very real possibility that those things are not as important to these people. So being a woman and being disrespect, having feminism and or your gender disrespected is not as important as what else is causing you more hurt. And I don't think that's always economic. I think some people economically, they care more about, am I going to be able to put food on the table? And they may believe it serves them and they can put their principles aside. I, I think people often do vote from a principled position and from what actually irks them. And I think what we learned about an awful lot of white women is that they're more offended by being called to task on their own personal racism and mis- and misgivings. And they're more offended by having to eat humble pie than any horrendous sexist shit that Donald Trump had to say. We don't have to like it, but we have to realise that's a thing. That pissed them off more. The danger is that you see something like, and again, there are parallels with Hitler's rise to power, but the church, the Christian church in Germany, were extremely supportive of... Nazism in its mm. infancy and the Christian churches of America were supporting Trump because of things like Roe versus Wade. Now, you can take Roe versus Wade, you can be pro life, and I get we've gone through the whole yeah, debate yeah. here in, in more depth than I would have cared to do, but it's it's like you, you say, as this dictator, that you look after this cohort mm. on this big issue, and that gives you votes, yeah, that. That little issue, I mean, the Roe versus Wade in the grand scheme of things for Donald Trump and what he wants to achieve is minor and worth mm. getting all those votes on site. So Christian people overlook his clear yeah. sinfulness, if you want to use yeah, the yeah. word, and vote for him because of this one issue that he can pretty easily kind of move in the right direction for mm. them. And that's the terror, you know, that, that's the danger where no one looks at the macro picture and says, this guy's actually going to say these things to you now. Yeah. There will always be certain polarizing issues. And what I completely disagree with, number one, I disagree with the forced birther stance in general. We know that. I also disagree with somebody who is pro-life prioritizing that. I, I can understand someone being pro-life, but then going, you know, what about the ones that are already alive? This person is going to cause more harm. But I still, at the end of it, I still understand people who don't like him and don't necessarily think he's a nice man. But in their mind, the most important thing they can possibly do for the earth is to make sure and save the babies. I can, I don't like it, but I can understand it. Mm. I get the logic to that. I think those will never be moved. Like, and if I was in America, and if it was choice between this president gets in, bye bye Roe versus Wade, if if I if I felt that way, I would vote for anyone against that because it's that fucking important to me. So I think with those, well, would issues, you vote for a potential dictator? This is my point. Like well, if, it, it, you know, it if, depends. No, but okay, but like, let, let's just say it was the other way around. Let's just say Donald Trump was the guy who was saying, "I'm pro-choice." Mm. Joe Biden being a Catholic, oh, I vote for Donald Trump. You would vote for Donald absolutely. Trump. That's what you need to understand on a topic like that. 
If I was in America, yes, on a topic like okay, that, so absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and I just thought, you know, I just buy them. I know, but this but is like, yes, this I is how vote. fascism will take but that, over. That's what I'm saying. The reasons that people who have voted for Donald Trump have, or the reasons they've stuck with him, I don't like them, and they're unsavory and all that kind of thing. But I think we can sit here and sit. So that was my point on the white women thing, that I think you can remove the section of people who have voted for Christian reasons because it's the like, pro-life, save the babies. Like You can remove that co- cohort. You can remove people who actually genuinely think economically it's going to suit them. Remove them as well. And then you go down to the people who actually buy what he's selling. And for those bu- people who buy what he's selling, I think within white women, it's that they're more offended by what they're, the Karen shit that they're getting. They're more offended by the Black Lives Matter. They're more offended by everything that's coming at them than they are offended by how he speaks about women. And while I disagree with that, I go, okay, well, this is interesting. So what do we do with this information? We Unfortunately, while I kind of go, um, your white tears don't break my heart, Karen, we have to go, okay, but if we want this not to happen, we have to understand why that is. What is it that hurts them so much? What is it What is it that's so fragile about? And we, we can laugh at it and call it fragile and, and say, oh, we can dismiss them. Okay, but that's not going to solve the problem. So until we look at why does that work on people? Yes, women should be more offended by him say him bragging about like molesting women. And of course they should, well, we, we, but they're not. So let's work out what is it that's really getting on their tits? What is causing so much offence to people that they're willing to take that instead? Because until we do, we're not going to dismantle the power that he or his his next person has. But you've answered your own question. Well, that's what we assume. Perfectly. Because what you said was, even if Trump, who denies climate change, mm-hmm. lies all the time, spreads disinformation, mishandles the coronavirus to the tune of a quarter of a million people dead, but if he was pro-choice, you would forgive all of that. No, not necessarily. That's not what I said. My point is, if I was given a choice, as in I'm a woman and living in America and abortion rights are going to go away if one person wins or they're going to be safe if the other person wins, I don't give a fuck who I'm voting for. I just, I'm voting for abortion. No, it's not quite the same. You know, So that, that, that's what I'm saying. And because you don't understand why I feel that way, you have to listen to why I'm telling you it's different what you're saying. Right. So if it's a guarantee against or it's a guarantee for, I'm voting for abortion rights. And the thing is, while you can be pro-choice and you can agree with all my points about it, you don't understand why that's so important. That's That comes above everything else. It, dep- and it depends on who you are as to why that's so important. But it does. If it was, If one candidate was a guarantee that I would not have abortion rights and one was a guarantee that I would have abortion rights... I would vote for the person who I would have abortion rights, even if I didn't like them. So what I'm saying is, I think that's a good example of a hot topic in your case that would cause you to vote for Donald Trump. Exactly. My view, I don't think we're in violent agreement here, because my view is you put a duck in a suit with a democratic hat on its head and you vote for the duck to get rid of fascism, which is coming to America in the guise of Donald Trump by promising different things to different people, the fracking people, the oil people, the climate deniers, the, the you know, abortion. That's what he's I doing. I get you, right? But when you look at that, you break that down, because we can use words like fascism, and like I certainly think it applies to him. What I'm saying is, when you break that down, what does it come down to? Because for each and every person, it comes down to what is the most intolerable thing. I know. 
but the, other the point I, the, the, the way, I, the way I'd, 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 I'd frame this thought experiment is Donald Trump has shown that even if he promises and shows four years worth of supporting you, your position on something like abortion, he can change like the wind to suit his own agenda. Well, that was my and point. And that's the issue. No, but that was my point as to like it, it doesn't work, work as a thought experiment because if you, as I said, if you give me a straight choice where I'm guaranteed to have abortion rights with one and I'm guaranteed to lose them with the other, then that's very different to if somebody says they're pro-choice or somebody says they're pro-life. And even if I know they are, but how, how easily could they be swayed? How much can I depend on them? Because that becomes very grey then. But, you can't but at least by understanding... At all. I, oh, I know, yeah. What I'm saying is at least by understanding that... For most people, there is something that's so important. When you go, how can you overlook this? How can you overlook that? We have to understand that what's most important to us is not going to be the thing that's most important to somebody else. Agree. And I do think there's misinformation. I do think the socialism boogeyman is a lot because people don't understand socialism. And I think I think there's an awful lot of that. But I think and there's and there, and yeah, there are idiots. But there is also the thing that we just we get pig-headed. We get into this thing of. If you can't see it my way, I'm going to argue and argue and argue at you, but we get nowhere with that. No, but I'm, I'm actually going much more macro here. I was saying there is a guy who is a clear and present danger to the world. I agree. Who's asking his populace to vote for him and, like every good politician, makes promises to get votes. But what I'm saying is, and I understand, I, I get you and I agree with that, but what I'm saying is we also need to understand, I think a lot of people... It's not that they don't understand how dangerous he is. It's just that it's that whatever whatever it is that's motivating them to vote for him is that important to them that they're willing to take that. I agree with you. And that's what's... I'm not saying it's right, but that's what we actually have to... But what I was just playing with there was the idea that there is something in someone like you who knows how bad Donald Trump is that could potentially cause you to vote for him, given all of his, 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 his atrocious... Yeah, and I think realistically probably not, but... And because it's, 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 it, I'd never get the full guarantee, nor would I trust them. And all. Yeah. But, but what, I, what I was trying to get to is, like, if we simplified it to climate change, if if you had a vote for one person who's likely to fuck, to fuck you over on, on women's rights, but will look after climate change, the other person you know is going to be pro-choice, but is going to fuck, it doesn't believe in climate change. So you've, you're kind of left to know which do we choose. And I get that for an awful lot of people. They're going, the world is on fire. I'm not, we, of course I agree with you with your pro-choice thing, but the world is on fire. And what I'm saying is for some people, they're going to choose the women's rights and you have to understand that. If Don, if, if the tables were turned and Donald Trump was a massive uh, proponent of fixing climate change, okay, and Joe Biden wasn't, you still vote for Joe Biden in this election. So that's my point, because even climate change, if you look at it that way, kind of going, it's the fucking world. Even that you'd be willing to forego. In, so, so it's never that black and white. It's what issue it's, it's when you what issues are most important and when you measure them up, which are you going to lean to? Because it's it, it, like there, there is no simple thought experiment that works. Donald Trump is an idiot in charge of the nuclear codes. He's an idiot who's a liar. He's an idiot who's a narcissist and a misogynist and a racist. That guy cannot be, no matter what his policies are, on anything in charge of America. Mm, yeah. And 74 million or 72 million Americans disagree, but, having seen him in action. So the point being that that many people fear more the alternative. Yeah. So we have to go, what is it they fear? And we have to look at those fears and we have to find a way to, and that's the thing that's not happening. And I don't, like most of the, most of the, a lot of their fears, I don't necessarily agree with some of them I do, to be fair, because I don't actually have a huge amount of respect for Joe Biden's politics. 
I like how he presents and that, and I certainly prefer to Trump. But we have to actually look at, okay, most of, most people know Donald Trump and what he stands for. This is all badness. Why are they willing to choose that badness over what is it that's worse for them? Because until we're willing to do that, even if we poo-poo it and we think, well, that's, I'm appalled that you think that's worse, but we actually have to sit at the table and go, how do we deal with that to come to a compromise to get past? Well, I mean, the problem with it is it's myriad things. It's, yeah. it's myriad things and hot buttons for loads of people, healthcare, all these things. The issue is it is shown America is based on self-interest and greed. Yeah. So a, a country that once prided itself on being a bunch of misfits that got together and created this experiment that seemed to work, that there was a shining light, has become a thing where it's, what do you do for but, me? But what that was always a myth. It was always founded on self-interest and greed. It was just dressed up. Probably. Whereas now it's being more honest and that frightens people. And I think there are an awful lot of people who, like the kind of people who kind of agree with you politically but are offended by you saying shit old country because it's stinging them a bit. I think there's an awful lot of people who just want Trump gone because we don't like airing our dirty laundry. We don't like to, we want we want our mask back. But the fact is, it was always greed, it was always founded on greed and self-interest. I mean, like look back to slavery. And, and people who are pro-slavery sometimes miss the note that actually, to be quite honest with you, you're the working class and you're losing out on jobs to slaves who are doing it for free. But like, it was always based on, we can dress it up in the American dream, which is neoliberal shite, Oprah shite, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, we don't have to help you and we're going to paint it as a positive that you can be anything you want, Jimmy, when really what we're saying is, fuck you, we're not going to look after you. Like, But it was always built on that. It's just that it's uncomfortable now that the mask has dropped. Well, I mean, the, the Obamacare... I, mean, I may be oversimplifying this, but it basically comes down to a democratic movement that says every citizen of our country should be able to get health care no matter what their financial position. Mm. And the other side, it's not that they don't want them to get it. They said that you should be have access to it as long as you can pay. Yeah. Right? And then you go, and that's the same as someone saying in Ireland, I don't agree that every Irish person should have the right to a home. Yeah. And the answer to that is, well, what do you want them to do? Live in the bush? You know, we have to be pragmatic about this and understand there are going to be dropouts and losers and people who can't, mm. for whatever reason, partake in society. And they need to be looked after because yeah. they're living, breathing humans. But like, that's really interesting because if you think of people here, there are people here who are appalled by the idea that in the US that health, that, that people think it's actually OK that not everyone has health care. Mm. Whatever about thinking that we should be able to have private health care as well. How does one reconcile with the idea that a child shouldn't receive the health care that they need because their family don't have the money? And I think nearly everyone here would find that disgusting. But amongst people who find that disgusting and can't wrap their head around it, they would also be kind of very anti-welfare culture and people shouldn't be getting things for nothing. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's the same argument, just on a scale that you're comfortable with. So a interesting article by a girl called Una Malali. Oh, an interesting article by a woman called Una Malala, that's a girl, she isn't a girl, um, in the Irish Times this week was uh, finished with the following paragraph. So what are our lessons? Beware the straight talker, the tell it like it is kind of guy, the controversial politician. Beware the political party that seeks to capitalise on division rather than do the hard work of building consensus and unity. 
Beware the right-wing fringes of right-wing or centre-right parties who position themselves as edgy and renegade. Beware the politician who has set their own bar so low that increasingly egregious actions and statements become normalised and are met not with alarm bells that prompt people to say, this stops right here, right now, but instead says, Sri's always at that. Beware the celebrity candidate. They are almost always driven by careerism and ego. And beware the political party that picks celebrity candidates, because all they're looking for are the cheap seats. Beware the media that chases contrarians for copy, controversialists for clicks, and sensationalism for soundbites. Beware the journalists who think people are overreacting to worrying trends or extremist protests, no matter how marginal. Stop racism in its tracks. Don't let it fester. Very simply, it never, ever, ever ends up anywhere good. I thought that was a very nice yeah. summary. So uh, you, you told me about that, and I'd actually just read it about half an hour before you said it oh, to really? me. Yeah, and I remember thinking it was good. Like, it, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking in it, but I do think when you read through it, you go, yeah. Like, it's painting a caricature. But one thing I notice is, I like, three or four lines in, she's saying, beware of the politicians that sows division rather than doing the hard work of finding consensus. And I thought, oh, are we going to hold a mirror up to ourselves there, though? Because... Yeah, so Una, Una Mullally would be a very left-wing journalist. And I thought she missed, I think, what the problem is. And that is that the left are disappearing up their own arsenal, mm. basically. Well, this is what I was driving at and what I was saying, because, I mean, I actually, I tend to find myself agreeing politically with Una Mali quite a bit. And I like the point of her article. I think it was useful. I think it was the point. But we were forgetting the huge problem that the left is disappearing up his own arsenal. I feel extremely disappointed in the left. While I'm disgusted with some of the carry-on of the right, and particularly the far right, and the horror racism and all that, I also go, yeah, but a lot of the fault... It's not our fault, like, and I consider myself to be left, although it's centre-left, but it's not people on the left's fault that people on the right are doing horrible things, but it absolutely is people on the left's fault if they're letting it happen because they're so busy going up their own arseholes. There was such a lack of introspection in saying, because she's painting a caricature, which is very accurate and apt, mm-hmm. but within painting that caricature, I don't think she actually is seeing the left part of that, which is beware the politician who sows division rather than like compromise and within the left there is this thing of so we've all decided that this is the line now mm. and anybody who doesn't live up to it and isn't pc enough and that and i and i, I hate when i'm saying this because I, I hate who i sound like yeah. but the reality is amongst the left we've got some basic things that basically we, we want to be a little bit kinder we don't want to say fuck the poor let it's their own problem we don't want to be kind of racially hateful let people be gay if they want generally they're kind of overall things that we can agree on and i think that's quite a lot as humans to go we see the world in similar ways but we don't have to agree on everything and i think this has just been that's not acceptable on the left at the moment and it's getting worse and worse that if you disagree on this well i'm sorry then that's you're that's not good enough and i don't accept that and i'm calling you out and i go okay congratulations but there is no left now because it's a competition i'm pulling myself up five minutes ago on using the word girl. I'm I'm not allowed to do that. Everyone's policing everybody. And my problem with it is, going back four or five years on this podcast, I worry about, uh, as you know, comedy, but I I worry much more than comedy now. The comedians are already censored. The comedian, most of them, they're terrified. But what now we're getting intellectuals being terrified. Yeah. And, and, and we, we probably, we're, I think we're going to plan a podcast on this exact subject maybe next, yeah. next time around. But we end up in a situation where, 
and, and I can completely understand why the right laugh at this because we're, we're self-policing on the left where people have good intentions, mm. you know, but they have said the wrong thing. Yeah. They've said it the wrong way. They've used the wrong word. They've taken the piss but out of But it's disingenuous. Something. And that's the point. Because, I mean, like, I, I know we generally tend to have fairly similar yeah. political views, but I would probably be much more immersed in lefty circles, which I find myself more distant from, but I don't want to leave because I actually don't want to miss this because the echo chamber thing. But I find myself daily with all the different groups on Facebook and everything kind of going, I, I know these are a grand bunch of guys and girls. I like them. I know they're decent folks. I know I'm generally going to vote the same way as they are. I know they're fucking good skins. But the shite they're going on with, the shite they're going on with, I actually don't, I don't want to get involved quite a lot of the time. I know so many people who are good people who have similar values, who believe that everybody should get a chance if you don't want, don't don't believe in racism, believe in equality. Just, that's a real fucking strong start. A similar worldview coming from a decent place. But those people are going to be attacked. And if you keep attacking people because they're not meeting your gold standard, then why wouldn't they run to a side that accepts them? Mm. When you have been belittled and derided, you've been hacked away at, and it was really important to you that your views are, you've always been egalitarian, your views, you don't, you'd hate to see yourself as racist or homophobic. I mean, some people are quite happy. They don't give a shit. That's, they're happy with that. But people who really want to be good, and it hurts them to think, and I understand that we have to ask questions. I mean, we do need to call each other out a bit and kind of tease things out. And, and sometimes it stings a bit to be criticised or to, to be corrected it does sting a bit so that's your own ego but i also think there's a whole lot of fucking egotistical i'm woker than thou Mm. shit that's going on and i think people are being disingenuous because i see people that are smart enough to know when i call this person out on the internet when i know they meant well and it's not even me saying that they're saying a word that really we don't use anymore it's just letting them know when i'm when i'm just trying to score points to be woker than thou I know I'm splintering the cause. I know I'm turning people away who would have been on our team to make the world a better place. But I would prefer to score points because it makes me feel good today. And I think that's what's actually happening. A good thing that I'm noticing, particularly in podcast land, is that there are commentators on both the right of centre and the left of centre who have had enough Mm. of the right and the left and are coming back together saying, if we can't discuss Islam, if we can't discuss trans issues, if we can't discuss things that are causing people on my side of the fence to freak out, then I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. A great example, and we'll finish maybe the election or election bit with, uh, what, like one of the guys that, I don't agree with everything he says, but this guy, Sam Harris, is pilloried by mm. both sides. Yeah. He's he's an Islamophobic uh, on the left, and he is a, uh, you know, uh, people call him far right as well. But Sam Harris is a guy who's trying to tease out and have discussions. Uh, the Weinstein brothers, people mm. like that. I don't agree. You don't agree with everything. Oh, yeah, so like, all of those people who are certain things saying, where I go, ugh. If we but. can't sit down and fucking talk about this without someone losing their narnar, and we come, we, 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 mm. we, in the next episode, we'll talk about censorship in colleges that we yeah. picked up recently. I'll just finish with, Sam Harris came out with a bit of a mea culpa because he spent the last four years um, railing against Trump and the day before the election he came out with this Let's have a listen. on the very eve of the 2020 election I have discovered a significant part of Trump's appeal in particular I think I finally understand how he is supported because of his flaws rather than in spite of them that really is the key how are all the things I find despicable in him not merely things that people are willing to overlook, 
but reasons in and of themselves why people support him. Now, I have repeatedly described the man's flaws on this podcast. To my eye, he lacks nearly every virtue for which we have a word. Wisdom, curiosity, compassion, generosity, discipline, courage, whatever your list, he's got none of these things. But his supporters know that. And he's a paragon of greed and narcissism and pettiness and malice, real malice. This is a man who wears his hatreds on his sleeve, and he will suddenly revile people who he claimed to admire only yesterday. So while he demands loyalty from everyone around him, really above all else, he is an amazingly disloyal person. All of this is right on the surface. So his appeal has been a total mystery to me. But I believe I have now solved that mystery. And this picture of Trump's appeal is really best understood in comparison with the messaging of his opponents on the left. That's how you can see it in stereo. One thing that Trump never communicates and cannot possibly communicate is a sense of his moral superiority. The man is totally without sanctimony. Even when his every utterance is purposed towards self-aggrandizement, even when he appears to be denigrating his supporters, even when he's calling himself a genius, he is never actually communicating that he is better than you, more enlightened, more decent, because he's not, and everyone knows it. The man is just a bundle of sin and gore, and he never pretends to be anything more. Perhaps more importantly, he never even aspires to be anything more. And because of this, because he is never really judging you. He can't possibly judge you. He offers a truly safe space for human frailty and hypocrisy and self-doubt. He offers what no priest can credibly offer, a total expiation of shame. His personal shamelessness is a kind of spiritual balm. Trump is fat Jesus, He's grabbed them by the pussy, Jesus. He's, I'll eat nothing but cheeseburgers if I want to, Jesus. He's, I want to punch them in the face, Jesus. He's, go back to your shithole countries, Jesus. He's, no apologies, Jesus. And now consider the other half of this image. What are we getting from the left? We're getting exactly the opposite message. Pure sanctimony. Pure judgment. You are not good enough. You're guilty not only for your own sins, but for the sins of your fathers. The crimes of slavery and colonialism are on your head. And if you're a cis, white, heterosexual male, which we know is the absolute core of Trump's support, you're a racist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, sexist barbarian. Tear down those statues and bend the fucking knee. It's the juxtaposition of those two messages that is so powerful. Needless to say, everything I've said about Trump previously still stands for me. I consider him to be terrifyingly unfit for office. And I consider most of his personal flaws 
to be public dangers. I think because of who he is as a person, he has harmed our politics and diminished our standing in the world to a degree that might take decades to repair. So I sincerely hope we rid ourselves of him tomorrow. But I believe I now understand the half of the country that disagrees with me a little better than I did yesterday. And this makes me less confused and judgmental. Less of an asshole, probably. Which is always progress. Yeah, I'm laughing at Sam Harris, like, finally getting there and saying it, <laughs> saying it better than everybody else said it for the past four years. But, it, like, it still is really well said. And I, I was just thinking the other day, actually, um, you know the way there's the discussion about that this wasn't an election, it was a referendum, it was a, for Trump or not for Trump. And then I kind of thought, well, it's not really a, a referendum on Trump, it's a referendum on all that he stands for. And I think we all know certain factor, factions have been given permission to, are being delighted they can say, say it as it is. It, it's that kind of... We're finally we've been given permission, we've been emboldened, and, and as Biden's campaign put it, the battle for the soul of the nation. Then I go, okay, well, what referendums have we learned from? We look at things like repeal here, and then before that, gay marriage, and for marriage equality, it was the first of ones where people my age, young, younger people at the time, anyway, <laughs> young anymore, sat down with our parents, our grandparents, and stuff, and you know. We needed to convince older generations to vote our way. And, and the same with repeal for abortion rights. And what we learned is that we can be sanctimonious folks. But why that worked in Ireland was because the left, while gathered together in a way it never had before, that we also understood we had to set the sanctimonious shit aside and actually sit down with your granny who's 80 and go, now, granny, it's all different now. Well, I just don't think I know. I know you don't think that. But the thing of it is. Like, sure, what if, what if, what if my brother was gay? Like, you wouldn't, he's a lovely lad, isn't he? And you love him and you wouldn't want him to be unhappy. And you know, like, it's not hurting anybody. You know, so there was the appealing to better nature and telling stories, certainly with the repeal thing for abortion, telling personal stories where I would like to say, you know what, people can have an abortion because they want one and that's, and they shouldn't have to justify it. But, but a lot of older people finding compassion for really sad circumstances went, okay. So we while we can be sanctimonious and go, well, we shouldn't have to justify it. But I think the thing is that if you're going to look at what's happening in the US and other places as well, but it's like spotlights, it's not about Trump and it's not about Biden, but it is about this referendum as to who, who we're going to be. And you can call it left, right. But the problem with the, the far right, has been, it's been emboldened that like we're, we're going to celebrate being bad. And yeah, fine, we are racist. We are pricks. Fuck it. And what? And what? Seems to be the vibe. And the left, it's this thing of, well, at least we actually care about doing better. Yeah, but we're we're not willing to bring people up. And there's too much of a stick approach. Like, we actually have to suck it up, whether it sticks in our throat or not. Sit down with people whose views we find abhorrent. Invite them to be better. Because the problem is you're not going to have everybody agree with your opinions. But the biggest thing that's frightening, and I think has upset a lot of people about Trump and about the fact that people still voted for him, is that so many people still chose the fucking bad path, the unkind path, the malicious path. And so we have to invite people who are not going to be perfect and who are not going to say things that we like. We have to at least welcome and invite them to try and be better, even if that being better might not look like what we want it to be like. We have to invite them to at least aspire to be kinder. And we're not doing that if we're going to constantly use the stick instead of the carrot. And that's something that the left is going to have to suck up. And it's easy to say that on the winning side. I think. I mean, one in three people in Ireland who voted are pro-life. Yeah. So that's a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. So you have this thing which is saying, because I'm pro-choice and you're pro-choice, we say that's the right way to behave, which we believe it is. Yeah, yeah. But there are a very substantial number of people and go bring it, trying to bring it back to America who believe in Trumpism. Okay, but if you look at how, even bring it back to the abortion thing, so one in three went pro-life, two out of three went pro-choice, but the pro-choice side had the compassion argument, whereas the pro-life side was you're killing babies. Yeah. So, but but telling people there were baby killers didn't help. No, it didn't. It didn't help. It's that third thing. You've got a third of people going, I don't believe in killing babies. A third of people going, I believe in abortion. And that third in between that could be swayed Mm -hmm. got empathy from one side that said, you know what? We, we don't you don't have to agree with it it's just look at this story look at that story whereas now that was just it was kind of it was an easier one to debate I think from that perspective there will be people who well yes and no because I think the people who are pro-life believe that the least compassionate thing you can ever do is I kill know, a child I know but the point is you're going to have for, for them you're going to have a whole sector of society who don't it doesn't wash with them the whole baby killing thing yeah. so what could they offer them by way of compassion by inviting them in how, what could they, how could they invite them into the fold all they had was you're killing yeah. babies if you vote for it and people responded to the carrot but not just because it's what I agree with but we had the easier argument I think because we were able to have the people who agreed with us we were also able to invite compassion and empathy in a way that it's really awkward it's either you either believe it's killing babies or you're not so how do they do that they didn't have yeah. that. And I think that applies to this in that the people who agree with you are already on your side and the people who don't agree with you aren't. But there's all of these people in the middle that could be swayed, but they're not going to be left enough for you or right enough for you. Their views are not going to be good enough for you. You're going to feel a bit disgusted that you should even have to justify why you shouldn't be racist, why you shouldn't this, why you shouldn't that, why you should be kind. It'll, it'll bother you. But if you're not willing to invite them to feel like the good guy, they're not going to fucking try at all. Well, there's clearly not a lot of people that need to be persuaded in America. It's very black and white. It's binary. Half the population that voted for Trump clearly could see. It wasn't as if they, like the last time, yeah, this guy come in and shake it up. That's what we need. They can see what he's been doing and they can see how he behaves mm. and they've gone for more. So they had a choice. Yeah. They had a choice last Tuesday week to go, do I want more of this idiot or do I want less of them? Yeah, I but more of them. 2024, like how, there's a choice of like one side's going to have to poach from the other side to win. Whoever runs in, in place of Trump next time is probably going to be worse. But assuming there's going to be a particularly hateful far right, one of those candidates, then we can choose to go. We can go on the attack and I believe him is disgusting. And I actually personally think there's a multi-pronged approach would be best you're going to need it because some people respond to shaming and knowing that you're going to be ostracized if you go for that some people do but you there also needs to be approach of how do you invite people who just want to find a home at a home at where they don't get they don't feel like they're being attacked for being privileged they're being attacked for being a cis white male and you could listen to that and go fucking get over yourself you're just so fucking privileged that you that you hate him but that's the fact you're going to have to hold people's hand when they're being snowflakes about it but if you want people to come with you, and if coming with you means being more cr- progressive, being kinder, believing in equality, trying to think of people less well off than yourself, you're going to have to hold some people's hand because not everyone's that good. All that happened in this election was really, I mean, yes, Joe Biden won Arizona and he won uh, Georgia. But basically what happened was he took back the Blue Belt, he took back Michigan, he took back Wisconsin, and he took back Pennsylvania. 
blue-collar, rust-belt workers who Donald Trump promised would get coal mining back. That has not happened. None of those promises. Mm. Build, rebuilding infrastructure didn't happen. Promising the working-class male across those three states and others around it that were, life would be better under Trump has not happened. And so they flip back. I mean, that's basically all that's happened. The rest of America continued down this path. Mm, yeah. And I do think that was generally the idea of choosing Joe Biden, make no mistake, because they, like if you're if you're a Democrat and you're choosing who you want to be the next person running, you're you're left with a choice of not necessarily who you want, but going who's likely to win. And you're going, right, okay, if we pick somebody like Bernie Sanders, oh no, that's not gonna win. So that's it. we're not picking him, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So we we need to pick someone who wealthy people are gonna feel is going to be kind of fiscally a little bit right center right nobody that's going to scare anybody even if it's not what we want but we need that but we also need somebody who's going to appeal to the working man so that the other side doesn't feel like this is elitist so joe biden is he's been he's been in politics for years so we so the people with wealth know he's still going to be right-wing fiscally so it's not going to be a huge issue for them but also he was able to do a little bit of the you know my grandparents said now joey you're not better than anyone and no one's better than you. So they did, I mean, it was a difficult task, but I do think the reason they chose him was because he's this interesting mix, also because he plays into the Irish Catholic thing, but he's an interesting mix between faux working class and working man, while also not scaring the shit out of the wealthy. And yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really buying the fact that Bernie Sanders mightn't have won. I'm not buying the fact that uh, Elizabeth Warren mightn't have won. No, I, but I, at the I same time... I think they've gone for a safe thing and nearly got beaten. So, you know, hmm. the, the, I suppose to, to conclude, we have an election that's done. Let's hope that the machinery that America's built up to protect its democracy will work over the next month or two and that Biden will be elected. But... Biden needs to, and the Democrats and the Republicans need to work out this division and see yeah. if they can make strides towards making America something that's not what it is today. Yeah, I th- and I think they ought not to be negative about it, but they need to not, not, not just go, okay, we had that, we had the battle of that, but we won and that's the main thing. That's mm-hmm. not going to do anything. They need to look at it as people who want to create that division and who profited from that had a practice round and you lost the first time and you only just scraped a win this time it's going to be much worse next time so you better fucking learn some lessons Hmm. anyway america we wish you well from europe and the rest of the world and let's hope that you guys get back on track what else anything else this week we just saw a good film yesterday yeah the life ahead so that dropped on netflix here yesterday i think it was the 6th of november in america so it's, it's pretty new everywhere anyway um it's an Italian language film and it's directed by Eduardo Ponti, who is the son of Sophia Loren and Sophia Loren stars in it. That's opted this kid called Ibrahim, Ibrahim Aguaye, I don't know how to say that. He's a 14 year old. I don't know where he's from. I actually tried to, I, I had a little route around because I wanted to find out about him because Sophia Loren was spectacular in it. I thought really. 86 year old Sophia Loren, I think possibly an Oscar nomination at least maybe an Oscar she was fantastic which would be amazing but he also was he was really really good so I I was a bit sad that I couldn't find Anthony on him I went onto Wikipedia and his name was there on the film but I I searched through Google I really couldn't but I'm hoping that if I search again in two weeks time that there might be something because I think he's really talented there's an 86 year old female protagonist and a 14 year old male black protagonist and the chemistry between them is astonishing yeah, and it's a tearjerker, and it's definitely worth a look. Very yeah. Anyway, we are back on track with the Don's top twenty countdown. She is up to number four. As ever, she gives me clues 
I don't know who she has picked. She gives me clues to see if I can guess or remember who from the 144 guests we had on A Pint with Shawnee Bay up until coronavirus hit us. Yeah. Okay, so your first quote is, I think with fake news, it's about the origin of that news or where that image originally came from. If you can find the source, that's the way fake news can become not fake news. Oh, that's very appropriate for our conversation. I know. Do you like the way I did that? (laughs) Who the hell would have said that? Okay, I need another clue. Okay, I was hoping you would. (laughs) Sometimes when I do these quotes, it can be like a really great interview and I go, oh shit, how am I going to get this quote? Because just the fashion and the way that somebody talks. So this is a not a word for word quote, but it's on the topic of WikiLeaks. This person said, you don't want to know all the truth because not knowing all the truth is actually quite a good thing. But I think that there's such a corruptness in government. We all know it's corrupt. And then, surely you interjected with, but you never get rid of corruption until it's out. To which this person responded, you don't. And that's why WikiLeaks for me is a service of good. See what I mean? It's really hard to get a direct quote sometimes. The third clue really helps. All right, go on. <laughs> um, my job is to look at emerging technology and consume myself with it. And I did. Oh, is it the blockchain guy? Ben Jones? Yes, oh, well done. You were there for that interview. Where was oh, that? Right, I know, you, you this is in Kinsale. Yeah, you I came down after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I remember you telling me about it. Um, I noticed it was like this time two years ago and... And I thought, no, that's going to be one that's interesting. And it's aged well. And also, we watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, which is all about the internet and Facebook and social media and the impact it's had on us and why it's the damage of it, but what we do about it now. So I just thought um, a lot of the points in, in within the things that you come away talking about from that documentary, Ben actually talks about. So I thought it aged really well. It was useful for the week that's in it, but also it aged so well. It was interesting to look back. Even two years is like a huge thing. I haven't I haven't heard from Ben Jones much since we had this podcast. I hear I stay in contact with quite a lot of my guests, um, but uh, Ben works for a company called Bull in a China Shop, and he's he's all about this blog blockchain. I must say I I didn't I, I left the interview not really knowing enough about blockchain, even though he was trying to explain it to me. That's probably my fault. He has a very good speech on um, I think it's on YouTube. If you Google Ben Jones and Tech Summit twenty seventeen if you want to find out more about him. But this is an interesting conversation. It's also interesting, as the Don said, in that it is a couple of years old, discussing things like moving towards a glassless future, um, chips in our brains and robot overlords, which is a little topic I like to return to from <laughs> yeah. time to time. So we will see you next time on A Pint with Shawnee B. Uh, well done, America. Uh, I'll stop using hashtag shit all country and I'll give you my interview with... Are you retiring shithole country? I ha- I, I, yeah, Is this your I mean, formal announcement that you're going to retire shithole country? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure what's the point in continuing it. It was, it was. I just felt America was sleepwalking to four more years of Trump, which they very nearly did, and they're too polite, and they need they need to be understanding that their country is in deep doo doo at the moment, and they tend to gloss over that fact. Well, you heard it here first. He's retiring shithole country. So many people will be so relieved. This is Ben Jones. It's called Blockchain. We're also going to talk about what Ben does and has done in his life and how he ended up being here. So I'm welcoming Ben Jones. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, very well. Very Have you been on be a podcast here. before? Do you know what? I haven't, no. So it's oh. my first time. But I've always believed. Never say no to anything. Very good. First question for you, Bull in the China Shop. Where does that name come from? It's basically me. 
<laughs> I started my career, one of my places was KPMG. And really? It was, yeah, it was a deep kind of grounding. You've come the of, other way. Everyone's going that way now, and you've come yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah, I started there, ah. but I was like the black sheep in many ways. I, I always used to turn up in, in jeans and a T-shirt, and it was, I was always, I wasn't never conformed in anything that I did. So KPMG, I, a huge account, global accountancy firm. How did yeah. you end up there? Yeah, well, they had a consulting arm. Kind of, they were in a, the world of innovation, mm. a little bit like an agency, I suppose, and so I joined them for that. And we had a phenomenal level of fun. And, and so we were using the latest and greatest technologies from companies like Microsoft. No one had ever seen them before. So I joined it for that. But as I say, I was the bull in the china shop. I was the one who would turn up in my jeans and T-shirt when everyone else was wearing their blue-collared shirts. Yeah. And, and so, were you a well, bull in the china shop when you were a kid? Where were you growing up? Where were you born? What was your background? You were... My background. My background was my father left my mother when I was six weeks old. Oh, my God. She was like, yeah, thanks, Dad. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Did you ever see him again? Oh, no, I do. Yeah, and he's yeah. good friends now. And that's fact, he, an awkward meeting when you're empty, hey, Dad, what was that all? I know, yeah, you don't really, you're like, yeah, cheers, thanks, Dad. Was I really that much of an ugly baby? <laughs> I'm not even that. That's you know terrible. What? He even built a wall in between the house, because he was a builder, yeah. and he built a wall in between the house and so my mum and him could share the house. And so he didn't throw her out or all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, so that was a weird one. Where Very was this? Where, you, where were you born? Born in Essex. I'm an Essex boy at okay. heart. Five brothers, okay. so one of six. So you, win, you have to be a bit of a bull in the china shop to stand out when you've yeah. got six brothers. Where did you come in the pecking order? I was uh, second oldest. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, sort of thing, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I want to be seen. But my old man, my stepdad, uh, my real dad, he gave me a wonderful uh, um, opportunity to become a ski racer, of all things. Really? So I was ski for England yeah, when did I was you? a kid. Yeah. Franz Klammerish downhill. Yeah, what's your? Know, I met Franz Klammer. Yeah, I did meet Franz Klammer. He trained me. Yeah, he trained me in, in Beckton Alps. Well, one, one of the things about sport was at the time Love it. we watched everything that was on, so we were big into snooker, ski, Sunday, Every single, yeah, all the time. And now there's so much sport that it's overkill. It's a bit like life. Anyway, so I came from that. I fell over. What that made me learn, actually. It wasn't about your skill. It was about your tenacity to just get stuff done. And so when I fell over, I lost all my sponsorship. My old man went bust. So he was the funder. It's quite fell expensive. Fell over, sport. meaning accident. Yeah, literally just fell over, hurt my knee for a while. So I was out, so I lost all my sponsorship. Right. And through that, I had a choice. I could use a Saturday job to buy my wax, my ski wax, and whatever you needed. My dull man would have used the, that to get me from race to race in England when you're racing in England on the dry slopes. And I didn't. Why didn't you? Because I don't think I had the tenacity to push through it in that particular time. Well, uh, you know, the difference is with anything in life, it's about how much you're prepared to yeah. want it and get it. And great ideas with tenacity can become phenomenal things that we all live and breathe. And so it was a bit like computer studies. I did computer, eventually I, I needed a fallback plan. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into computer com machines because I was, um, I was good at skiing somehow, but I was also quite good at computers, which is weird things yeah. come, they shouldn't really go together. Are so you I good did at skiing video games? <laughs> yeah. no, I've never tried one. They've never, they've never, never been, but they've never been any good. They've never been any yeah. good. So yeah. Um, Clamour 2018. It's going to bring it back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's a Lindsay Vaughn. Lindsay Vaughn, Tiger yeah, Woods. She's a machine, she is. Yeah, she's the best skier ever to be on this planet. Yeah. Yeah, so skiing will teach you fearlessness. Oh, totally. Oh, fuck me. Right? Yeah. From a very early age. Yeah. I'll take this on, I'll have a go. Um, I might fall, but I might not. And yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a lovely analogy of life. I think yeah. sport generally is, but skiing, but skiing you know, you've got to go dangerous. down some state, yeah, some steep things. And when you're, yeah, when you're a kid and you're, your little legs are like, you know, yeah. knocking and you've got little, especially my, look at my legs. I'm not, yeah. They're not skiers' legs. Yeah, yeah. They're a little skinny. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you're right. It's, uh, you're standing in that gate and you're going to go down a downhill in this cat suit. Yeah. And nothing else protects you other than your fearlessness to stay on your skis and go around a corner at 70, 80, 90, nearly 90 miles an hour yeah. sometimes. Yeah, you're right. It's, Do you have a happy childhood? 
Yeah, very much right. so. Love my child, love my brothers. My mum, my stepdad were amazing for me. My old man was really good, even though, you know, I mean, in many ways, you think about him leaving me at six weeks old. You think about that. In actual fact, that's actually brave, weirdly, to have the balls to get up and go, do you know what, this yeah. is just not for me. Well, I know someone who did that, and the opprobrium that they get, not just from, from everybody, from the parents, grandparents, from male friends, you can't fucking walk out and a woman after just giving, you know, giving You're a right. baby. From all her friends. I mean, I'm sure he was kind of ostracized. Yeah, he probably was. Board, yeah? He yeah. probably was, but it is actually quite brave, oddly. What about you? Well, my, my family upbringing was very middle class Dublin. But I was a black sheep in the family. I was the eldest. And, you know, things... I, I, my, my childhood wasn't that happy. Why not? very independent. Well, just my parents were... I, I was a difficult kid. Today, I would have been labelled hyperactive and probably... Right, yeah, yeah. The old ADD. The, yeah, 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 exactly. But I felt very independent from about seven years old, where I said, it's me against the world. I didn't feel like my family had my back. They were pushing me to do certain things that I felt that was not the way I wanted to yeah. go. And weirdly, as you said about your situation, that's what made me. If I changed it to either me being more a compliant child or doing what I was told, I would have gone on a very different path. And I probably would have been an engineer. My father was a very famous ventriloquist. No way. Yeah. What a random background that and is. He, he was, can he, you do it? He was a Gaelic speaking oh, ventriloquist. Wait, can you do it? Can you do it? <laughs> the rest of the you podcast. can see our lips <laughs> aren't moving at the moment. Where's the podcast? We his, don't know this. He had his own show for uh, 10, 15 years on te- Irish television. He opened Irish television. So he was quite famous. So I get a bit of my acting and voiceover and stuff like that and writing, I suppose, creativity from them. But I really play out a very lonely and wow. uh, individualistic all through my life but yeah this is the first time someone asked me about all, all that stuff you got to um, computers like what did you do in college computer studies right so I went and I did, that, uh, did it at GCC uh, amongst all the other ones and I was good at it so naturally so I just carried on doing it and I went to university to do it as well I worked on my old man's new business which was making signs and, and I found myself in this little teeny room painting signs with very high toxic paint and probably flammable and paint and I, and I thought what am I what am I fucking doing <laughs> in my life so and that was my kind of I go to university and do it and, and I did I did it right I got a party man's degree that's how I fell into machines, really. So you were learning coding and all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah, right. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I joined a company called, a little teeny company called Global Financial Systems. And I've still to this day never realized at the time, you always retrospect is always a wonderful thing. I never realized at the time how amazingly good the people that I was surrounded with, all yeah. they were, they were trying to do banking on machines which were running Microsoft code. And they were doing this thing which is called grid computing, using other machines when they're dormant yeah. to be able to spark up, run some transactions, and then... You know, go dormant again. It was groundbreaking stuff. Where, I mean, where are we? Nineties, early nineties. This is uh, this is the mid nineties. Yeah, nineties. Yeah. yeah, and so I um, double financial systems sounds like a, a sort of corporation that would be in Superman or something. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of like, is. Kind of a kind lazy of, name. Not not I, like. Bull I mean, I love I love Malcolm Carroll and Ian Leeper. They are definitely not part of Superman theory. Yeah. I mean, they literally were. You know, Ian Leeper, bless him, he had a you know a proper stutter. proper stutter. Yeah. Amazing mind. Malcolm Carroll was just the shiny man who could sell it to banks. He was yeah. like, hello. He actually asked me one day to download the internet. <laughs> so I, I want, broke the internet. It was when the internet was just starting. Yeah. And he said to me, he goes, Ben, uh, he was a site salesman. He said, Ben, um, I literally taught like this. Very, very posh. Yeah. And he went, Ben, I'm going away for the weekend. I was wondering, because this internet thing seems to be taking off. 
could you download the internet, put it on a disc for me, and I can take it and look at it over the weekend? Read it by the beach. (laughs) 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 Doesn't really work on that mountain. Maybe it's all in the name. But gee, I remember, you know, we, we got we get now into the the, the whole blockchain. Thing, but I remember when the internet, because you start, you, you know, you you start your story about what blockchain is with the fact that the internet failed. Yeah. And I get you on that. And I remember when the internet came out. Actually, one story I had is I moved to Singapore from Dublin in '96. They had a camera looking down the main thoroughfare of Dublin, O'Connell Street, and it was really shit. It was a camera, and you could see the buses just. <laughs> yeah, judging, the judgery, the judgery yeah. thing. This is really great. Sort of live there in Singapore, looking at Dublin, going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and but going but "Where was, will this go?" <laughs> and it was amazing, wasn't it? It was yeah. connection. Yeah. It was amazing. It you was. were on the other over there, and you could. Yeah. And then how happy did it make you feel? It was great. Let's segue in there. Why did the internet fail us? I mean, the internet was a phenomenal technology, military technology, which was invented by the Americans, and it really was used to to communicate across the board. And then Tim Berners-Lee came along and thought, well, let's open, let's open that world for the world. Because what he believed in is that there was too many middlemen, it was too much friction, it was too much, uh, it was too, the world was too slow. The decentralised approach, his vision, it had kind of an altruism within the middle of that. And what's happened is that the middlemen came in massively and have really disrupted that. They've coined, made their coin. They have owned um, the internet in many ways. And the Googles, the Facebooks and wider, you've become a product of Facebook. You've become a product of Google. And when Google's making $32 per person per year for their service, I mean, it's massive, isn't it? It's massive. Imagine that. Would you pay... Facebook's making 21 bucks off. 21 bucks, yeah, yeah, roughly, 21 bucks. And whatever the truth actually is, we don't know. It's a closed world. It's a closed domain. And all I do know, and everyone does know now, and it's becoming apparent with the Cambridge Analytica thing when they're sucking... 87 million user profiles, you know, of 98 data points uh, about you. You know, when Mashable posted on my way to steal your privacy you know, with Mark Zuckerberg, that's what's happened. Giving us a wonderful business. Got hijacked. Exactly. It. Perfect way of saying so it. I, so I, because I, I remember when Google came out, Sergi and your man had this the don't do evil yeah, okay. thing that they said. And I was like, yeah. oh, you're all right, Google. You're never going to do evil. You know, it was totally. kind of quaint. I was going, hey, you'll be grand. You'll yeah. be fine. You're nice. You're colourful. Yeah. You got you helped. Altruistic. They knew then. And so did Zuckerberg. They literally put it on. We're not going to do evil, yeah. but we fucking well are. Let me give you a contrarian point of view. I accept the fact that, and I know that I'm giving these companies a lot of access to my life. They do sell my information and my demographics to other companies to advertise, much like a television station used to do and would have done to that extent if they had the data available to them. In return, I get, in Facebook's example, access to all my friends globally, what they're up to, which to me seems worth (laughs) 21 bucks a year. Just look at another way. No, no, I'm I'm with you. Google, I have the entire information of all the world in my pocket in my phone, and I use Google to try to get to that. Yep. Things like Google Maps. If we we brought someone from 1970 to today, they would be going, Google Maps would be one of the... Like, no more of those. No, totally. Although I do like a paper map. And Wikipedia. I grew up in an era where people went around selling door-to-door Encyclopedia Britannicus. Yep. Huge expense to poor families, which was also evil. Are they really doing evil? So, I mean, I fundamentally agree. The service that you get and the experience that you get potentially for the core service that they offer you is brilliant. But when you're manipulating democracy, okay, knowingly, okay, yes. I think that's fundamentally wrong. Okay, so there's the dark side of the web. Cambridge, yep. that whole WikiLeaks Wik- WikiLeaks thing, The Russian interference in the election, which is still an ongoing investigation, but everyone's saying it happened. 
and you know there's pornography child pornography it's all this dark side of the web which is evil yeah but the core part of the web i mean first of all we would never get rid of the web no way we think it's progress no yeah, i think it is progress right yeah so let's let's frame it now with your Let's start bringing blockchain into this and yep. how you believe that is the game changer that's going to get us back yep. on, on track. Is that fair? It's going to get us back on track? I think it's back on track. I think it's the second part of an apple. That were, you know, one was a bit, you know, was a juicy apple, promised lots of dreams and has, has become a little bit poisoned. And that's why I used the, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs analogy. Let's go with the Snow White. Well, analogy. she basically, you knew that you were getting a free apple. And she was getting a free apple from a particular person, which happened Ironically, to be a witch. it was an apple. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't know how bad apple are. I don't think they are, but I mean, you, know, you never yeah. know they focus on hardware but then, but then again they've got a phenomenal ecosystem so let's go back to the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs initially right so Snow White and the Seven she had seven people protecting her called the Dwarfs if you look at the old world the, the witch came to her door with the snow the Dwarfs were mining for the day ironically mining we'll yeah. come to blockchain mining in a minute they were mining very valuable things actually yeah, an honest and open network of miners mining diamonds very valuable things yeah. without them the transaction was happening between her and the witch, the, you know, the, the, the promise of this apple. So she ate the apple and she, and she fell asleep. And, and, and she was, was the innocent rest and naive. And she was innocent and naive. And kind. She, and, yeah. And yeah. she trusted. She yeah, trusted. Trusting, a yeah. wonderful trust thing. And she trusted that she ate the apple and that was it. But if you forward wine and you put and you consider the blockchain being those, those dwarfs that have protection network in many ways, a consensus network, that's the way transactions happen. The transaction goes between A to B. Once it's been committed... The consensus network, the blockchain, says, okay, I, I'm happy with that. I agree with that. I'm, I agree that that's a transaction which can happen or cannot happen. Yeah. And so it's the majority. It becomes a consensus network. And decisions are made in that way, consensus. If the dwarfs were there, and if that was the blockchain, Snow White wouldn't have eaten the apple because the blockchain and the dwarfs would have gone, oh, no, it's a bad apple. And so if you make it a little bit more tangible, what that really means is the blockchain, all it is is code. It's a bit of code, a bit of genius mm. in many ways. If you took an artist's picture, the blockchain is a piece of code which is, has that level of intelligence, that level of storytelling within it. It's just a beautiful piece of mathematics and code. That's all it is. Importantly, it's not a person. It's not, it's not a bunch of people. Yeah, well, we don't know. Satoshi Nakamoto, and there's so many different theories on Satoshi Nakamoto. And one so angle, he's the guy who's allegedly came up with Bitcoin, right? Yeah, well, no, blockchain. Blockchain. blockchain okay. Explain uh, the difference now for people between Bitcoin and blockchain. Well, blockchain is the network. It's right. a bit like the internet was for email. Right. And blockchain is this network which sits on the internet. People can download the code and put it on their own machines and it can just run freely. And it's just this verification system in many ways. Bitcoin is just basically a, an asset which is traded across the blockchain as a, as a digital currency. And coins and tokens are on the blockchain. Does that make any sense at all? And Should coin- I have blockchain on my computer now? No, because your, blo- your machine's not powerful enough because the benefit of having blockchain on your machine is that potentially as you are part of the network and you verify a transaction, yeah. what happens then is that the blockchain says, well, okay, solve this very hard problem and with that, you can add this part of the transaction to the chain right? and you get to do that. And in return for that, you get a reward. And in this, in the in terms of the blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain, you get a Bitcoin or part of a Bitcoin, mm. which is valuable, right? Does it come to a time when every one of us in our Apple Macs and on our phones will have a blockchain thing built in to protect us? Or is that uh, I'm misreading this? Well, I mean, yeah, you could. You could have that. And you could, I mean, is you it could silently have. protecting me if I... Not yet. No, I have to subscribe. Yeah, you have to, to, you have to use a service which uses the blockchain. And right. any, any type of business can rethink themselves to be an open, altruistic, transparent, 
business, which is what we thought businesses were, but really probably quite weren't telling quite all the truths. And they could apply themselves onto the blockchain. And, and that's what it gives you. It's so open, it's so transparent, and it's immutable. You can never change it. There's a lot of manipulation in the middleman kind of world. Do you know, really know where your money goes when you put £10 into a bank? You haven't got a clue, right? And, it, and, and if you could actually track it all the way through, you'll see where it's truly gone. I mean, it's gone to bizarre places. And not that you want to know all of that, but that, that safeguard that you know that is on the blockchain, it gives you that full traceability of anything. So when you donate to charity, and that charity decides that they're going to put their business, their charity on the blockchain, you know exactly where the money goes, which middleman it goes through, how much is sliced off before it gets to the end result. And when you, if you actually truly knew that in the world of a lot of charities, you probably wouldn't donate. So yeah. you put it in the blockchain, it's kind of, it, it, in many ways, it doesn't have to have all the minimum, it just goes onto the blockchain and, and, and you know where it's gone. So blockchain as a concept is a new dimension to the internet that's more transparent, trustworthy, and keeps people from doing wrong. Yes, exactly right. I mean, you can't really hack the blockchain because you have to hack a million, two million, three million, four million nodes, these miners, which mm. are out there doing all that hard work. One person can manipulate their records in, in there, potentially, if they yeah. get hacked, which is very hard to hack as well because the level of cryptography on the blockchain is so high. But if yeah. they did, they could hack it. If they get intercepted, they could, you know, the, the message gets intercepted. That's another way of hacking it. Right. But it's one person, one yeah, one machine. You've compromised one machine, which means that all the other millions go. Well, no, the answer is A, yeah. and he's saying B. You're going to reject B because he's not part so of it. So, will blockchain eventually let, paint me two pictures? One, how it might fix our fake news problem, and two, how it might change how we deal with Facebook. Oh God, that good questions. So, I think with fake news. It's about the origin of that news or where that image originally came from. I mean, if you take Kodak, they've created something called Kodak One and they have a Kodak coin. Ironically, Kodak are making a comeback. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they <laughs> in, are. And, in, and, in and, through, and through this process, After dropping right? the ball. Big yeah, time, totally, yeah. right? Totally. It's a lovely story, yeah. right? Of redemption. And so that you know where that photo has come from and who it came from, most importantly. So that you can work out whether you trust that person because the blockchain is just open and transparent and wider. So the source of news, the source of imagery can be seen. Yeah. and traced yeah. and that's really important so that's the way fake news potentially can be not fake news because we can see where it's gone through the provenance of, of a piece of uh, editorial or provenance of an image very important we don't know where anything comes from at the moment when it comes to Facebook I mean Facebook have their own problem because they're such a closed world they were always famed for being this closed world yeah. when you wanted to build stuff so my answer is I don't know because until they open up yeah. but I mean I don't know whether I need Facebook in my life I've, I don't use Facebook hardly at all anymore so let's hear the anti-Facebook. Why, why did you... I'm, but, I'm not, but I'm not anti-Facebook. No, no, but sorry. Why, why did I come off it? Because one of the other issues that we're having, which we may touch on or may not, given where we're going, is this idea that technology is utterly swamping us with too much data. Yep. I can't seem to read a fucking book, even though I'm to retired. Totally. I'm retired. I should be able to read eight books a week. Yep. And I can't read one in six months. Because you're distracted. I'm distracted. Yeah. I'm on everything. I'm, I'm, I mean, I read the newspaper every and day. And that it. is why I took off Facebook. And that is why I took Instagram, because I sat there just dwelling, faffing around on, on fucking pointless stuff, <laughs> which gives me these kind of really negative vibes of, um, you know, when subsequently psychologists have looked at all the dopamine going around our body, and it's a bit like drug addiction in many ways, it's yeah. social feeds, and it's actually designed to do that as well, hold stuff away and then give it, I mean, it's just like it's wrong. And so, do you think it will go away? Do you think Facebook will not be around in 10 years? I don't need it. I can pick up the phone to my friends. My job 
is to look at emerging technology and consume myself with it. And I did, and I love Facebook. Don't worry, I don't dislike Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I don't dislike Google. I don't like any of those. But it's but what, what it's doing to you. It's about what it's done I to like me. I like cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing. Facebook. Have, uh, you know, I had, a mad, Facebook. I had a mad moment there There, will, there will be programs in the future when you look at, you know, the social network came out, it was all starting yeah. to be good. There will be programs in the future, I'm sure, when the truth of the Cambridge Analytica stories, all this stuff comes out, it'll be the opposite of that. and be like, fucking, they were doing that to us? Right. Oh my God. So it could come down. And it could come down then. But all they need to do, redemption, it could be, all they need to do is put your profile on the blockchain, give you back your data, yeah. and then they become this kind of altruistic framework which is connecting you to friends that you love and people that you adore. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? That's so, sorry to interrupt, but I do think that I get no, excited no, about I mean, it. Because I, 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 had a, I just said I had a mad, weird, one of those... Woo moments the other day when I picked up my phone. How does woo go? You know, when you when woo. you're having it. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up my phone and I wanted to make a phone call and I couldn't work out where the app was. What's the app for making a phone call? You know, the, don't even know I didn't know, know where it was. was. I was like trying to find yeah, it. It's a little machine, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, oh, imagine when you speak to get speak to people again. But they call it the, a glassless future. A what future? Glassless oh, future. Explain that. Which is basically less interfaces in, right. in your face at all times. And I did, you know, I'm, my job in Bundana China Shop is to focus on seven years away for organizations. Knowing the cultural trends and changing consumer behavior, the brand promise of these companies, which are probably not delivering on those promises anymore, but then how emerging technology will affect them in every single way. And disruption is happening. I hate the word disruption, but it ha- is happening quicker and faster than ever before. And so we help companies do just that. Glasses Future is an angle which is about you'll have an earpiece in your ear helping you and you'll talk to your earpiece. I was with the founder... We're minority report land now, are we? Well, not really, because no. it's just... It's, I was with the founder of uh, Evie. You know Evie? Evie is now Alexa. All right, so he's a, he's a, a born in Cambridge. He's a Cambridge oh, English, okay. English, English born thing, right? Yeah. Did you not know that? God, no. you're not literally, you know, literally. I'm, like, I'm going to be honest here. Most of my <laughs> listeners probably you know agree. I, did, I didn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but I was with him, and he was saying that there'll be a future. We'll just expect to speak to everything, oven turn on, or just turn on the oven. I don't quite agree with that. What I do agree with is that having a piece of glass and to get your phone out to make a phone call, yeah. or yeah, when you have a small earpiece, or well, a we have a chip in our brain. Do you know what I was Silicon uh, I, chip inside her head. I know someone yellow. who does that. So we will. They're doing that right now, right here, right now. And I said to him, this is over in a, co- a special secret conference over in LA, two days, solidly going, what the fuck? Mind Yeah, totally mind-blowing. And there was one person, a professor, putting chips into people's brains. And what they found was that our bodies reject lots of things. The brain harnesses things. So put the chip in the brain, and it started to, the brain started to work out what to do with the chip. Wow. Because right? the brain's only electrical at the end of the day. It's doing some yeah. stuff, whatever. I don't I'm, <laughs> That's a neuroscience approach to the brain. Um, uh, it's doing some stuff. And um, I um, really don't know what it's doing. <laughs> we don't know what it's doing. But anyway, the point is, is that we, they start to compute and he, to, the, to, the, to the cloud. And the cloud started giving stuff back. And there was a question from the audience, said, will this, will this happen in the near future at all? And he said, I would predict in the next four years, this was last year actually, so the next three, three years, that someone in Silicon Valley will have this done. And when you're sitting in an interview or in a conversation or you're against someone in another business and they've got the chip in their brain and they're ahead of you, yeah. would you put a chip in your brain? Yeah. You probably would, welcome you know. To, welcome to the Tour de France. Tour, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly right. Just, just, just. Also, the vanity. I mean, would you go to Mars? What for? No, no, if there was a manned mission to Mars, would you go on it? No. I would, you see. Would you want? Because my view on the nihility, if that's such a word, of life 
I like that word. I don't know if it means anything, but I love the word. I just invented it. Give me an angle on what it actually is meant to mean. It's like nihilism. Okay, right. I'll give you that. That's good. Even if it's not, we should put it in the dictionary. As one of my Irish friends said, the nihility of life is what we're combating. No, if you think about the man... Irish dictionary rather than the English yeah. Oxford dictionary. Yeah. yeah, we'll go for the that. The man or woman or thing of the last century, you know, if you were looking at the Time magazine, who would be on? You know, you would have things like Hitler, you would have Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, yeah. you would have Pele, Muhammad Ali. The one person I would put there, if you took someone from a thousand years in the future, would be Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong is not, is just a guy who stood on the moon, but the, the combination of the. <laughs> did he? Yeah, he did. They played golf on the moon before. It's like. <laughs> The, what, what, the whole moon landing thing is they keep forgetting that they went back seven times afterwards yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. and everything you know yeah. that seems to be completely forgotten yeah. um, but you know he represents mankind's greatest achievement and a thousand years in the past if you brought someone from a thousand years past you know what we did we stepped on that they go fuck off you <laughs> right? and the guy a thousand years in the future would go was that when that happened? And what I mean about the chip thing, bringing it back to the point, is to be the first guy to have the chip in your head, you know, yeah. and be able to beat fucking computers at Jeopardy or chess yeah. or whatever it allows you to do, yeah, puts you, are, you in history. It does. Jesus-like. It does, but I mean, it's a bit... I don't if know. He <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he walked on the moon. Apparently. Is the where is the world flat? The answer is I don't know. It looks quite round to me when I'm up there. Did you uh, download the, the internet yeah. for me? <laughs> download the internet. <laughs> um, 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 so would I have a chip in my brain? I would have a chip in my brain. Would I go to Mars? No, because of the fact that you don't come back. Yeah. No, it would be a one way ticket, and, and it would be a one way ticket, and I think that's that's the sad thing. Would I want but to you'd be... see Starburst over Orion? It was just be quite cool. Open the door. You've got, no one, you've got no one to tell. I don't know. That's when it comes to social currency. Maybe Facebook is mm. doing the right thing after all. But I don't know. I think what I would like to do when it comes to the chip in the brain, come back to that, is that you'd have it. But it's a bit like having a. You know when you're a boy racer and you're a young kid? No. Well, yeah, I, I, no. I, I'm an Essex boy, so okay, I just... I didn't have a fast, right? <laughs> did okay, you? I did. <laughs> you did, yeah. No, I, didn't, I didn't have an MG Metro a Turbo. I one Fiesta. <laughs> you did, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He Which is black and had no profile. <laughs> yes. But was only a 1.1 litre yeah, car. Completely ruined the whole face of the mm-hmm. car. But um, So I um, would have a normal car. What I've always wanted is a normal car, normal looking car. Mm-hmm. Massive great engine. And I think that, that the brain, the chip of the brain is that moment where you can do it with the intelligence. You sit there and everyone can ask you any question. Oh, well, such, 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 such. So the answer is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But no one knows. Pop quizzes are a thing of the past. Exactly. <laughs> so you don't have to get your phone out and cheat anymore. It's do like you? the one team that got no 99, missed one question, actually wins. <laughs> yeah, that would be true. Because then something happened, the internet the went down. <laughs> oh, no, the internet's gone down no. for me. That, that oh, wait, wait, we end up in robot overlord territory and combined human robot species and eventually probably the human bit who needs a bag of water bones nitrogen carbon whatever you know and off we go a good friend that's gonna happen a good friend of mine sean gawley who's he's just done he's just the world economic forum talking about artificial intelligence his businesses are all in ai and he said the human race either faces extinction or immortality through artificial intelligence The machines will become so much more powerful. The algorithms will start to code themselves, and they already are. And maybe the blockchain, weirdly, is probably an altruistic framework which allows us to progress with, with a bit of altruism in yeah. the middle of it. He ends it with, the best place to be is where machines 
and humans work together. Augmented intelligence is the best way forward. And, and would you not not have that? I would. I, I would definitely have something like that. I would yeah. definitely. You've just got to harness the. Uh, as long as it's benign, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I'm and you know we haven't even talked about how it applies to weapons and war. And oh God, yeah. that dark, starts getting quite dark, scary. Dark place, yeah. One of the questions I want to ask you about blockchain because you paint this nice picture of it as being a honourable, purpose-driven, real, altruistic, fair system that's going to police the internet for us. The idea that we don't know who's behind blockchain has to be a concern in the same way that Facebook is a concern, the same way that Google is a concern. So the answer is 100% yes. It's nine years old. And as I said, it's created as a piece of genius. But when, when you don't know who's created that, it could be the ultimate backdoor to... If you're really clever as a terrorist, then you could create a piece of code, the blockchain, where everyone's building this kind of this altruistic framework on it, and it could have the ultimate backdoor. So the difference is, is that you have to take down every single node on who's running that machine to take it down and do the wrong thing. And if the code is open, and it's over across a million machines, then... You can see what's really happening within that code, within reason. Yeah. So we are assuming, though, that every single machine is not jury rigged, which is what your ultimate backdoor is about. Like you could actually have what ostensibly looks like a very fair, impenetrable because of the power of numbers. Exactly right. But then suddenly the whole thing is exactly right. Well, someone it's actually works on how to behind the curtain. <laughs> exactly right. I, I, you know, that, I was going to use the analogy. The, yeah. the, the man behind the curtain. We're not quite sure who he is. The, yeah. the Wizard of Oz analogy is a great analogy. One of the things I would say as to why it might be benign, you're convinced it's benign, and I get that, is that Facebook and Google have not outed it. No. It is quite a threat to their business, but they would be going, this is all, you know, if, if Donald Trump ran Facebook, it'd be, oh, this blockchain is all fake news. Fake news, fake news, right? And they have the power to do and that. They will, yeah. and, but, no, but they'd also do it as a great stunt to say, we are protectors, these guys are just bullshit. So you have things like 4chan, WikiLeaks, and there's lots of this out there, yeah. you know, and, like, you know, hackers, I don't even know what a fucking hacker is. I don't even That's know. That's the guy with the mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is also dark web. I mean, the, the WikiLeaks thing has 50% of people who say it's great and 50%. Where, where do you stand with WikiLeaks? Is it is it a good thing for society or a bad thing? I, I don't know because you don't want to know all the truth because not knowing all the truth is actually quite a good thing. Yeah, I agree. But I think that this is such corruptness in government. It's, it's, we all know it's corrupt. Yeah. It truly But you is. also never get rid and, of corruption until it's added. And you don't, never. exactly. And that's why WikiLeaks, for me personally, yeah. to answer the question... I think it's a service of good. It opens up these massive holes. It keeps on dropping its bombs everywhere, as it were. But yeah. they're, they're bombs for good in many yeah. ways. People have had enough about being the, the lemmings. You know, lemmings, yeah, the game lemmings. Yeah, yeah. You just follow. Hello, yeah, you're yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. That's, that was Probably a lemming. They never actually run off a cliff. It's, it's, it's like the ostrich head in the sand doesn't oh, happen. Doesn't really happen. Frog doesn't burn in the fucking in the water. The fake the, news. All you've all heard. All that's, fake, that's all. That's all fake, fake news. Fake adages. No, you've, you, what you've heard really is fake news. Now, who's true? You fake or me? Old wives you tales. or me? You, you've been told that it's fake, <laughs> yeah. but I'm telling you that what you've been told is fake. And I, I think we've got into that. We've actually got into yeah, that world yeah. of like what is true, what's not. WikiLeaks does a service in many ways. Everyone's fed up with being lied to. We all know we're being lied to of some type, being manipulated in some way. So maybe. But WikiLeaks, to come full yes. circle to our conversation, Tim Berners Lee is back. I was intrigued about that. Why is he? What's he doing? The Berners Lee is back. Thing, Tim Berners Lee, the guy who invented the World Wide Web, we talked about at the top of the podcast. Yeah, um, he has come back. 
because of the fact that he's upset with the way that the world has happened used the internet and he is trying to give the power of your data back to you to recoup your data to be able to be in control of your own privacy uh, which is human right in liberation of privacy he's trying to do that through a project called solid and he's working with some of the best people in the world to do that there's a huge amount of people looking at the blockchain how that impacts their own business mm. and i'm working with one very large you know, 220 billion dollar dollar market cap business and they're a telecommunications company and they have the power to really understand what's going on in your home in every single way on on your phone in every single way so they really truly know you and they're going to put that profile onto the blockchain they're going to give you power back to you quite a lovely trust relationship back again to the start of the podcast Google should be paying me $32 Facebook should be paying me $21 and I should at least if I'm giving them this information get paid by them for my information. Ironically, yes. Yeah. yeah, they turn around and said we're gonna we're gonna pay for our fuel. Their fuel is your data. Our data is powering in their engines. And I think that there is a, a small value exchange, hundred percent of the services they offer, because they're cool and they're great and it's fun and you and yeah, I, I don't use Facebook like I said, but very much I'll always have a little peek and it's that that's valuable to me to yeah. be in connection to all my friends is important. But it's got a little bit too far. It would be very good for crime prevention of the police. If there was a situation where everybody said, yeah, whatever, pay me a hundred bucks. And if you want to find your criminals, go straight to the people who said, no, under no circumstances are you allowed to have my stuff. And they're probably in there somewhere. Totally right. I asked this question of everybody, which we finished on this. By the way, that's a moonshot. I tried to do this moonshot for Google. A moonshot is their special projects um, area. Mars. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, but it's called moonshots. um, And they work in special projects. Uh, Google X, I think it's called. Bearded guy runs it. That's right, yeah, Astro Teller, yeah. 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 And, and it was rejected. But I believed that with all the data that we have about people, and we take biometric data on top of that too, which you're giving, because if you have an Apple Watch, you're giving biometric data all the time. Right. And when those sensors get a little bit more intelligent, we can actually track people's intentions before it happens, the minority port, uh, report in every single way. And then if you take the world's data and you start to understand that, and then you add on social layers as well in terms of what's happened socially to them and the context of where they really are in their own head, right. and then you add a kind of another hook, which is maybe what's happened in the news or what the weather happens. I mean, it's a bad day. Or, oh, I'm going to go and do something bad. Whatever it is, I don't know. But my theory was that minority port of like predicting crime could possibly happen yeah before, um, yeah. Yeah, before it happens place. and it kind of could with all that data but unfortunately you know, they rejected it <laughs> well Google if you're listening to this and it's been made somewhere else in the future you had your chance yes that's the IP listen to a pint with Shawnee B episode number 113 or whatever this one is in 2050 and this thing is happening um, one of the questions before we go I ask everybody <laughs> and I'm really intrigued with your answers to this I, I always ask people and what they would say to their younger self. So maybe the guy who just banged out of skiing, what would you say to him? I said it to myself on a run this morning, and I actually said it out loud, really weirdly. If someone had seen me Scaring running... Scaring the children again. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I was just running. It was dark. It was pitch black this morning when I was running. I was looking at the ocean in Kinsale. Perfectly smooth, and smooth water's fine. It's easy to paddle through. It's easy mm-hmm. to drive through. But when the water's rough... It's hard, but it's not going to stay rough forever. And I think the answer to that question is you just keep on trying and you know that smooth water is going to come. And that point being in that analogy is the fact that time, life is fucking hard sometimes. Yeah. When you're on your own, you set your own little business up. It's bloody hard. Yeah. You know, however cool it sounds. I never bothered doing it because I don't think I would have enabled it. <laughs> but it's hard. Yeah. yeah, but it's really hard. And you constantly get turned down or you don't. Whatever it is, it's that journey. And it's that rough water. But some days it's going to get smooth. And so my answer to myself, to tell myself is just never give up 
brilliant. I just met you and I think that was a great interview because I can actually see what I said at the start about the fearlessness that you learned as a young skier, you still have. That, that would be the thing I would see in you that's really important. A lot of people actually don't have. Thanks a million for being on a Pine Ridge Shawnee B. Right. The other thing to people like you, I also say, is don't do evil. And most of us who are sitting there gobbing data into Facebook and all these places every day assume there are people like you out there who are thinking a bit more about it than we are and are going to do something about it and keep on the right side of it. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Yeah, it really was phenomenal. Yeah, I, wanted, I wanted to know what your answer was. So it's, a, it's a hard thing to think about. I mean, what would you say to your younger self? What would you, you have all the journeys you've been through, and yeah. it was a hard upbringing. Yeah. What would you do? I would say to my younger self, "You're right." And what does that mean? That you means right that, 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 that there, there was a time in my life where I felt right, and I felt like I needed to resist, and I needed to plow my own path, and I was independent, and and I was scared that I was doing the wrong thing, and I was being disobedient and not doing what I was told, but I was right. I, I, I actually defend my younger self a lot because I don't want to dishonor the stuff that was going on yeah. that was affecting me and that I was trying as a young fella to... You know, your your idea about the, the ocean, it was very choppy. I, I kept swimming the right way and, I, and I, 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 I would say to myself, and also, it worked. There you go. You know, That's it. So. It's just that tenacity to, it's to plow through. I've asked you that about 600 times and each and every time you answer the same way. There you yeah, go. Like that. So that's it. Exactly it's honest. the same answer. Okay. Give or take a word.